When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello on this Saturday morning. Welcome to our special weekend podcast. Every Saturday, we relive some of the best interviews of the week to help you ease into your weekend. And on today's special weekend podcast, Vossi. Uh, Brandy, we have former North City Bears team doctor Antonio DiDio joining us to discuss one of the big topics of the week, concussion in sport. We also speak with Trent Copeland after the New South Wales veteran announced his retirement from first-class cricket. Ben Damon from Main Event joins us ahead of tomorrow's huge world title fight in Sydney. And a great story during the week in the world of basketball with the Sydney Kings MVP Xavier Cooks announcing he has signed with the NBA. He's off to the Washington Wizards. He'll join us. So, Vossi, let's kick off our Saturday podcast with Dr. Antonio DiDio. All righty. Uh, let's get serious. The concussion issue is one of great uh, discussion this week and debate. Uh, we've been very lucky to lean on this man previously with issues through COVID and all sorts of things. Dr. Antonio DiDio, former president of the Australian Medical Association, former North Sydney Bears team doctor. That's probably the biggest badge of honour that he has. But he is a Dragons fan. Um, and, Brandy, you had a question earlier in the day. How did that happen? Uh, <laughs> the good doctor is on the line. Dr. Antonio, how are you? Oh, good day, Rossi. Uh, thank you so much for having me on your show, mate. Yeah, Brandy wants to know how does how does a Dragons fan become the Bears doctor? Let's clear that out of the way. How did that unfold? <laughs> I thought I thought the that doctor oh. might have been a conflict of interest there. Oh, look, and nobody says no to Florimo. You don't say no to Flo. It's, it's the rule. <laughs> no. Nice, yeah, nice. Now, look, true. we've got so many questions to um, to throw at you. Um, the the first one, let's let's. We'll, we'll come at you for, with all the uh, issues that people are discussing. First of all, on a the possibility of a, a mandatory stand-down uh, policy coming into the game, an independent doctor's opinion, how long should a player be sidelined for as a minimum after a concussion, in your opinion? Well, the, the, the most important answer to that question, Bossy, is that there is no standard answer, and they never should be. Every player is different. Every rule is different. Every circumstance is different. Um, I'm sitting with a mate who is a doctor who is concussed, and uh, the rules are so different because of their age and what they do, their profession. Um, um, he's a doctor, so he doesn't make any useful decisions at all, really. Um, but this morning, uh, I do a, a Thursday morning clinic uh, at, um, at a local uh, school, and the first two patients I saw were concussed teenagers. Now, there's a general policy uh, for concussed adults that it's about 12 days minimum. There's a general policy for concussed teenagers that it's going to be a 19-day minimum. But that changes according to the nature of the concussion because they're different. There's some concussions where you score 131 points out of 132 on the specialist scale, and there's some concussions where you score you know, 12 points out of 132. Now, for those really bad ones... There's no bloody way that you should be uh, going back to footy at all for a long time. For other very mild ones, it's very different. Um, I guess that's that's not an, uh, the kind of answer that a person wants because 
it's it's far too inappropriate to be simplistic in saying there's a compulsory X and a compulsory Y. The number one priority is the player and the player's welfare. That is more important to doctors and, to be fair, it's more important to just about everybody in our game than anything else. Uh, Doc, just the other thing, and, and we were talking about this morning, change in any, any sort of change in a game, there's always some resistance. Uh, we had the independent doctor make decisions on players over the weekend. Out of the 19 HIAs uh, that were carried out over the weekend, uh, 14 were instigated by the club doctors from the sideline. There was another five that were instigated from the independent doctor that works out of the bunker. Do you like that system? Uh, with the independent doctor being another layer for the club doctor? Um, the concept is a good concept, but there's something missing from it, Brandy. And, uh, and that is that uh, when I see my patients, whether they're concussed and I see them on the, uh, after a sporting event, or whether I just see my patients with a cough or a cold or a cancer or, or something, um, I don't want to be overruled by a person who's watching it on video from miles away. Um, I want there to be a respectful dialogue. And so I think the independent doctor is a fantastic idea if you believe that doctors who work for clubs can sometimes be influenced to subconsciously do the wrong thing. Now, club doctors, and I know quite a few of them, are the most honest and decent people who make honest and decent decisions. And the independent doctor is there to make sure that the doctor who works for the club might subconsciously be doing the wrong thing. Um, and I, I, resp- I, I get that. But if they're going to overrule the club doctor, surely they would have to communicate at least respectfully with that, the club doctor and say, mate, um, are you seeing what I'm seeing? I think there needs to be that extra layer of dialogue between the independent doctor and the club doctor in order for the best possible decision to be made. Because the club doctor okay. knows the patient. The player. Yep. Yep, yep. that's right. Um, Doc, you, you know how busy, and, I, and I'm just, I'm, you, you know how busy a sideline can get. Um, and oh, a club go- yes. doctor can, yes, and, and sometimes you don't see everything. It's very hard to see what happens on the field from when you're sitting on the sideline. And if you're distracted um, you might be stitching someone up in the sheds. You, Absolutely. You, you, you yeah, could yeah, be doing, so, so the club true. doctor is a very busy man. Yeah, that's very true. And in fact, uh, you know, often you don't see the third quarter because uh, after half time you're busy doing other stuff. But that's absolutely true. Can um, I ask you this? So, um, and now, uh, sorry, doctor, from your first answer, I'm taking it that this will be um, this is an open <laughs> blank canvas as well. The mandatory time, once a player comes off and is cleared of concussion, cleared to return, uh, we have yeah. a mandatory 15 minutes in place at the moment. Is there any chance that can be less? Or is 15 minutes seen as, um, you know, that's the, that's the benchmark for time. You have to stay off the field. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I, I think 15 minutes is very appropriate because it's a number that's been come up with by the top experts in the field. Um, and, I, and I don't think we should be haggling or negotiating with the health of young people. Um, if there is scientific research that tells us that less than 15 minutes is safe, then we go with it. But that research, to my knowledge, does not exist. And that's why I think 15 minutes is appropriate. So the 15 minutes is there because there could be a delayed reaction 
doctor, is yeah, that right? that's right. Uh, that's correct. Sometimes you see uh, people uh, who have a whack and they seem okay, and then seven or eight or nine minutes later they're not. Uh, one of my kids uh, got uh, uh, concussed last year, and he is such an absolute bloody space cadet that nobody could tell the difference between what it was like after the whack to the head and beforehand. His mother and go. I couldn't tell either. Um, and, and you know what? That that is real. That is that is a, a genuine thing. And that's why. Um, and, and I know it sounds humorous, but that's why the club doctor who knows the players really well often uh, has a much deeper insight into what's going on than anybody who doesn't know. Having said that, oh, yeah. the independent doctor is a wonderful idea. It's a highly intelligent, strategic piece of work by the NRL. Uh, and it's early days. And when these teething problems and communication problems get solved, I think it's going to put our game ahead of every other game. Okay. And one last one that I think, so the listeners and the fans of the game, the, the actual concussion test done inside the dressing room on the iPad and the questions and that, you could deliberately fail a test, but there's no way you can rot. You, could, you can't rot a test to pass the test. All that data gets fed back to the NRL. That's your understanding, uh, Doctor, that, that that is all above board. The actual tests that they do on the iPad answering the questions, um, there's no way you could rot that and get and, and pass the test if you're, unable to, if you're unable to do so. That is correct. I, I remember in about 1984, uh, very young Greg Alexander saying, two fingers, two fingers. Um, you can't do that anymore. Um, the, the, uh, you can't cheat your way out of them anymore. <laughs> no, no. And I, and, I, and, I, and I make no apologies for saying you could deliberately fail a test because the cynic in me says that if a player wants to activate an 18th man now, you could. the, the, the loophole is there that you can deliberately fail it to get a player saying, no, can you fail this because, mate, we need a fresh man out there. They may have another yeah, injury. A, so I'm a, just saying a, that loophole's there. Yeah, that is a possibility. That is definitely a possibility. It's a, it's a horrible thing. Um, and it's all about ethics. Um, mm. And, you know, I didn't mention it, but some of the most honest, decent, ethical human beings I've ever met in my life have been in the game of rugby league. But, you know, there, there were people who will see that loophole and probably try to exploit it. But boy, oh boy, uh, there will be consequences if they did. Hmm. Well, I think we've ticked off on the, the big ones that have certainly been at the forefront of um, fans' questions this week. Uh, Doctor, all the very best. Uh, do you live for the day that the Bears are back in the Elite League? Would you would you cop the... Uh, I mean, you're a Dragons fan, but are you available if the Bears made it back to the big league to work I for went, North I, I, I they in Perth or wherever? Look, I, I'm fussy now. I went to Hanson Park last year to watch the Bears play the Jets. And thought, well, you know, I'm in heaven now. Died and gone to heaven. Yeah. Uh, so, you never yeah, say no to fly. Yeah. You never say no to flow. It's <laughs> a good uh, say. And uh, just before you have a shandy with Randy, that's right. So thank you. Thank you very much, boys, for having me on. And uh, well done for bringing this conversation to light in a way that is not shrill and stupid. Uh, I think you're trying to analyse it with intelligence for the benefit of everybody in the game. And the coaches who were complaining about it last weekend, they're not bad people. They're good people. And I think they've got a good argument. And I think there's going to be a fantastic compromise in, in a very short period of time. Well said, Dr. Antonio. Good to chat, Great Doc. to have you on the program. I'm sure we'll lean on your expertise at another time, but uh, we really appreciate you giving us some time this morning in your busy schedule. Good on you guys. Thanks so much. Bye now. You're listening to The Best of Breakfast with Fossey and Brandy. 
a retirement. Look, I know it hasn't been a great summer for New South Wales cricket, not at all, not by any stretch, but we're not here just to talk about one summer in isolation. We are here this morning to pay tribute to one of the finest contributors of modern times to the Blues. His name is Trent Copeland, and you've got to know him a little more through uh, Channel 7 Cricket Commentary. He does an outstanding job, but at 37... He will no longer be playing on field. He is retiring from first-class cricket. Let the record show. 410 first-class wickets, including six and three tests for Australia, way back in 2011. Amazing figures on debut for New South Wales as a 23-year-old, which Brandy wants to talk about. Trent Copeland is on the line right now. G'day, Trent. Hello, boys. How are we going? How quickly retirement comes round. You retire on Friday... Come Monday, you go back to just being a dad and you've got the school run to do this morning, correct? <laughs> it's exactly correct. There's two kids running around in the backyard. Uh, yes, it's back to frantic time. But I, to be honest, that's one of the things that when making the decision, I'm looking most forward to. You know, being able to not be off to training where I can, after a day of four-day cricket, not being able to tie my shoelaces up because I'm that sore, uh, being actually present at home with Kim and the kids. So, yeah, it's uh, long overdue and I can't wait, to be honest. Okay, I'm, I'm always interested in, in finding out, just was, was there a moment, Trent, this year or, or was it a build-up? Did you sort of know coming into this year that this would be your final one or was there a moment this year you just went, that's it, that, that, that's, that does, that'll do it? Yeah, it was probably actually, you know, Bossy, you just mentioned the stuff that I do on Channel 7, watching the Test Cricket and sitting there, thinking about you know what my career might look like post-cricket um, and thinking over the summer of tests how much I'm enjoying that part of my life and um, certainly as you mentioned I'm t- turning 37 in a couple of weeks and I, I think uh, yeah there comes a time where part of my decision making was actually uh, and I'm sure you were the same Brandy thinking about what's next for New South Wales thinking about the next crop and are they ready have I done my job in sort of leaving um, a bit of a legacy behind and, and how we do things? And I think I'm pretty comfortable within that as well as my own performances. So it's a build-up of all of that. It certainly wasn't one day, but I was, you know, all of that meshed in together. Um, yep. Along with a, a wife that's been through it at the elite level, playing netball for 20 years for Australia and, um, you know, being able to have a sounding board like that was brilliant. Yeah. Um, now, Vossi and I were chatting before the show, and we we're just going through your, through your numbers, and and eight for ninety two. Um, I, I I thought, oh, well, I've got to talk to Trent about his eight for ninety two. Uh, but Vossi informed me that that was your debut game for New South Wales. Is that right? Yes, that is right. And I, you know, eight what? for ninety two. Oh. <laughs> eight for ninety two, and I wish everyone would tell you at that point it's only downhill from there. You're never getting that again. So it was one of those, yeah, look, I was... What a start. Well, I was called on the Thursday. I wasn't actually part of the squad. So I was a, a few years before that, I was a wicketkeeper batsman for St. George in third grade. So, you know, it was a really unique and rapid sort of changing landscape. So I, I wasn't even in the New South Wales squad. At that point, there was... Oh, Glenn McGrath, Brett Lee, Nathan Bracken, Stuart Clark, all of these guys sort of well and well ahead of me. And I got a call coaching kids down in Caring Bar at the Indoor Centre on a Thursday and said, uh, you need to be at the SCG tomorrow. You're playing it against Queensland at the SCG. You've got to come in and meet Matthew Mott and Simon Kadic, who was the captain. So 
I just was sort of in a whirlwind and it all happened very quickly. Um, and yeah, that day, eight for, I, I actually bowled the whole first spell. Uh, the first ball I bowled bounced twice before the keeper and I was thinking to myself, <laughs> uh, is there anywhere I can go and hide? Um, and then no wickets at lunch um, after my first bowling stint. So, and then, you know, after that, the rest is history. So I'm very lucky. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I said to Vossi too, early this morning before we, we got underway, I said, I'm sure I've, sp- I've, I've spoken to Trent a number of times over his career, and I'm sure he said he was a wicket keeper. And, and you just said that. <laughs> I, I remember you saying to us, ten, m- m- might have been 10 years ago, that you're a wicket keeper for St. George in grade cricket. Extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I broke too many fingers. I was playing hockey and um, all different sorts of stuff but yeah it was originally give it up so I had six cracks at the next team as a batsman because back then they didn't pick the wicketkeeper in the next grade unless he was either retiring at a wedding or something like that so it was more about that and then I'd, I guess most wicketkeepers that want to bowl uh, I've got maybe a little bit of a height advantage over um, you know the, the four foot ten guys that want to uh, get into it so yeah, very lucky. 195 centimetre tall wicketkeeper. Yeah, no, that's that's big. Um, your your <laughs> career story, Trent Copeland is our special guest. He's announced his retirement from first-class cricket and a magnificent career. But it certainly teaches people or could inspire people about persistence and continuing to work. You don't play, you don't make your first class debut until twenty three, and you're still playing at thirty seven. But I can remember along mm. the way. Correct me if I'm wrong, Trent. Like there were injuries as well, and I said to remember. I don't know how far back, but a season there, you, you just had to be a specialist batsman in grade cricket. You, you weren't bowling. Injuries, just part and parcel of the job. Yeah, and to be honest, uh, I mean, you're absolutely right. And I think the, the wicketkeeper part of this is, you know, talking to kids, and I'm sure you guys can, I guess, get your head around this message, is you might think you're something right now. And you think, okay, all my attention has to go into that. All my focus has to go into that skill, whether it's footy, whether it's corporate life. You can change whatever you want to do. And I guess I'm an example that, um, you know, getting to play test cricket for Australia after being a wicketkeeper my whole junior career um, is exactly that. But, yeah, injuries come. And really the media stuff that I'm now doing has springboarded off that. I've missed, I only missed one full year with my back injury. And that was the year you're referring to. And I started doing radio broadcasting that year for ABC and, um, you know, sitting down talking cricket. And it's sort of lit this fire within me about, you know, broadcasting and not just cricket, you know, doing footy, um, doing the Olympics and stuff for seven has been brilliant as well. So I just love it. Mm. I'm just I'm just pencilling in here. I'm just writing it down, jotting down like Eddie Jones. If someone took a photo of the piece of paper I'm writing down, breakfast with Vossie and Trent. Oh, sorry, Brady. That's just that's what I was going to just say. Could could be. Yeah. I'm just saying. Are you an early say, early morning man? Yeah. Oh, get me in whenever you need, Brandy. If you're ever off sick, give me a buzz. Well, yes, Wednesdays. We'll off. do. Uh, James Magnuson, Paul, uh, Trent. No, we will talk more at a later date um, and get your thoughts on uh, international cricket as well. But today was all about you. Congratulations, amazing career. You should be very proud and at the foremost of things to do now, enjoy your time with your family. More time. Yeah, I can't wait. Thanks so much, guys. Good on you, Trent. Trent Caplan, very impressive, on and off, uh, and now retired, 37 years of age. That is an amazing story. Wicket keeper all through juniors and Mm. bowls for Australia and takes eight for on debut for New South Wales. Incredible stuff. 
You're listening to The Best of Breakfast with Vossie and Brandy. We'll be broadcasting the supercars for the first time from Newcastle. But Tim's you against Tony Harrison. And it's right here in Sydney. I mean, it's, it's, it's an enormous fight. Uh, and I'm hoping that our next guest, main event commentator Ben Damon, can, can, can come up with a number for us, the number of eyes that will be watching this from around the world. I mean, how big is the audience for this fight, let alone here in Australia, but, but elsewhere around the world? It's a big deal. And there's plenty tipping Tony Harrison that Tony Harrison will knock over uh, Tim Zhu. So it's, it could be absolutely massive confrontation. Ben Damon is the boxing expert in the country. He is the go-to man, main event commentator, and he's on the line right now. Ben, you would be excited like all uh, boxing fans are about Sunday. Yeah, definitely, Vossi. It's, um, it's huge for, for boxing fans in this country. And uh, you mentioned the eyeballs around the world. Oh, I don't know. We can put it in the uh, hundreds of millions. It's a, it's a big sport with... Uh, a lot of reach through uh, a lot of uh, pretty populous areas. So uh, these big events like this, not only right through the United States uh, where it's live on Showtime, but but right through uh, you know the Philippines would be taking it, and uh, and 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 many other big countries uh, as well. So it's a it's an event that'll draw a great deal of interest because Tony Harrison's a big player globally. He's an American who's won a a, a world title formerly, and uh, Tim Zhu has a a very famous surname, and he's uh, starting to become a, a big name himself because uh, he's really the fighter on the rise in this fight. He's uh, a very exciting fighter globally, and now we get to see just how good he is because he's in there with someone who we know is very, very good. Yeah, is this his toughest fight uh, so far yet? And and what does what does the result mean for for Tim Sue Ben? Does if he wins, um, where to from there? And if he loses, what what does that do? No, oh, yeah, this is his toughest fight. Uh, Tony Harrison is a proper fighter. He's the only man ever to beat Jamel Charlo. So you'll remember that Zoo was meant to fight against Charlo for all of the belts in January, but Charlo busted his hand. So he said, oh, I won't wait around for him to repair. I'll uh, fight the next best thing. And the uh, only man ever to beat him just to, to prove that he deserves to be where he is and to give himself an even better chance of beating Charlo if and when they do meet. But... It's a huge risk because if he loses this fight, he loses that opportunity. That all goes away. He starts at the bottom again. So um, he's doing something that if he is to lose, people will look back on and say, well, that was a bit silly, Tim. But uh, if he is to win, they'll go, oh, well, he's uh, well-placed now to become the undisputed world champion in that division. So, uh, yeah, it's a a very, very risky fight, but a lot on the line. And that's why there's so much interest uh, through the US in in what's going on. They're, They're enjoying the journey and the rise of Tim Zhu, but uh, everyone knows that this is a really, really stern test and there's so much on the line for him. Uh, boxing expert Ben Damon, also a very poor poker player on the line here on Breakfast with Vossie and Brandy. Just thought I'd throw that in, Ben, from back in the day. Um, been waiting to say that for years, actually. Look, um, Sean Porter, American commentator, says not only is he tipping Harrison, he believes he can knock out Zhu. Now, that's an American commentator talking about the chances of Tony Harrison. Would you be prepared to say, Ben, that Tim Zhu can knock out Tony Harrison? Yeah, of course he can. Um, He he can and he intends to do that. Uh, But Tony Harrison can knock out Tim Zhu as well. That's the beauty of the fight because Sean Porter, uh, he had a chat with me yesterday at our open workouts. Um, He's a, a legendary character in global boxing who's come out just for this fight. 
Um, he thinks that that is a legitimate chance. People are sort of saying that it's either Tony Harrison outboxes Tim Zoo or Tim Zoo shows that power and does stop uh, Tony Harrison. But he said, no, no, it can also go the other way, whereas Harrison can uh, show his power and knock out, uh, knock out Zoo. So, yeah, it's one of those fights where people have all sorts of opinions and anything can happen, but that's why they fight the fights and that's why they play the poker to see who wins and, and who still might owe someone else a little bit of money, perhaps. All right, one last one, Ben, just for people, and you can get it through uh, main event, but the what's the most likely uh, start time for these two to step into the ring on Sunday? Well, the broadcast will start at 10 a.m. Uh, that's on Fox Sports and KO. Then on midday, we go over to main event pay-per-view. Uh, five fights in total over there. Um, and the main fight should be around 3 p.m., but you want to be in position a little bit earlier than that because of yeah. the... Uh, the theatrics of the big walkouts and and all that sort of thing uh, with Tim Zoo and Tony Harrison heading to the ring in front of a packed Kudos Bank Arena, uh, all live on main event, which you can access via Foxtel or KO. Um, yeah, really exciting day of boxing on Sunday, and it'll be uh, beamed live, obviously, into the US. That's the the reason for the for the earlier start time for us. But uh, yeah, nice lunchtime at the fights, a big uh, weekend of sport and. It uh, doesn't get any bigger than a, a world title fight right here in Sydney with our own Tim Zoo. And may I say on behalf of sports fans, Ben, what a great job you've done uh, promoting the sport of boxing in this country, mate. You're an outstanding um, analyst and expert and a, and a great promoter of the sport, mate. And thank you for coming on the program. But I stand by it. Poor poker player. Back in the day when we had the poker <laughs> tournaments. The first man out would get nicknamed Bar- Barbecue Bob. And all I'm going to say is that in Texas Hold'em Poker, Ben was very good on cooking sausages. He was always, you know, he, was, he had nothing. Nothing. You know? I don't. I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, to be honest, yeah, well, but, uh, yeah, well, yeah. he can, he can take things a little bit too far. Yeah, that, that's yes. Yeah. There he is, Barbecue Bob, main event commentator Ben Damon on, you, Benny. on uh, Breakfast with Vossie and Brandy. Enjoy Sunday. I'm so sure you will. You'll have I appreciate a, 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 it and appreciate your your kind words, uh, Vossie. Thank you so much for for all you've done for me over the years, mate. I, I do no, appreciate. He's, it. He's a good man, and um, he, you know what? I, th- I think we're better for it. If you follow boxing and you listen to Ben, and as I said, he's always there promoting the sport. He knows the competitors. He's well researched, um, and Ben Damon will be in the box seat for uh, for Sunday. Tim's you okay? You have to, you're down to your last ten. I may have asked mm-hmm. you this before, Brett. <laughs> yeah. Your last ten. What is the outcome of Sunday's fight? Do you prepare to say distance? Are you picking you? Are you going to say I, knockout? I seen, what round? I've only seen highlights of Tony Harrison, so I, I, I don't know a whole lot about Harrison. But the highlights—he looks pretty good, Vossi. I, I think Zoo's in for a for a fight, but I, I'll stick with Zoo on home turf. I think I think Tim will win, uh, and I think it'll go the distance. Okay, well, I'm going to say knockout either either way. I think Harrison—he might get a sneaky one in there, but I can't go against Tim Zoo. I just just want Tim to win. So heart overhead, um, possibly in that one. Or, or dominating, um, but you can uh, catch that as um, as Ben said. You can uh, watch Fox to begin with at ten o'clock, but from midday get on board with uh, main event and look that up. Well, on breakfast with Vossie and Brandy, it was around about this time yesterday that we got the news out of the Sydney Kings, and it's a huge news um, for three facets: Xavier Cooks, the Sydney Kings, and Australian basketball. That we have one of our best, the MVP, no less, from this year 
off to the NBA. Mind you, he's got a bit of business to attend to before he heads over, but I think we're all incredibly proud of our next guest. Xavier Cook's on the line. Xavier, th- this is an incredible week for you. Yeah, it's been pretty surreal. It's been pretty crazy, and it's really unbelievable. How long has the process been for this to come about that, um, that you will end up at the Washington Wizards as early as next week, potentially? <laughs> um, to be honest with you, I don't even know. I've, I leave my agent to deal with all that kind of stuff. I've told him I really want to focus on the playoffs and not worry about anything after the season. So he's done a great job of keeping me focused and not worrying about this kind of stuff. I think I found out about a week ago and um, really trying to keep my nerves and keep my straight face for the last week's been pretty tough, but it's out now, so it's pretty cool. Okay, we, we might come back to the Washington Wizards uh, in a moment, but uh, the business to take care of is uh, a grand final series win for the Kings. Now, extraordinary, you lost the first one, Xavier, at home. Then you went across there to New Zealand with some injury problems uh, yourself, um, but you got the job done, 81-74 against the Breakers. Um, Derek Walton Jr. played five minutes. You played nine minutes, so... Someone else has stepped up to the plate big time. I don't think it was someone. I think it was a whole team. That's what Sydney Kings are so special. We had so many guys put on an unbelievable performance last night. And even the, the Geordie Hunters of the world, he only had four points but had an unbelievable impact on the game. And so many people stepped up. And that's what it's about this time of the year. People get injured this time of the year. And people got to step up. And the Kings did something special last night. I've got to say, I mean, I threw it out our listeners uh, yesterday about, uh, gee, I can't think off the top of my head to be series around the world where it goes away win, away win to start. I mean, basically anything could happen from here, although obviously Friday night becomes massive. Um, game three to, to change the direction of the series and win at home. How about a, a call to arms, Xavier, for the Sydney Kings fans now to make this game three something special? Yeah, I mean, if you're free on Friday, Sydney, please come out to the game because we, we feed off you guys. We need you guys. You guys have done a great job all year long, and this is the final time, the final time they're going to see us play this year. So please come out and watch us play and pack the queue. You've heard it there from Xavier, and there's no Harry Styles to compete with either uh, Friday night. Harry's, Harry might be just sitting in the crowd watching you guys play. <laughs> <laughs> Get rid of Harry. Now, now, ha- I don't know about that, uh, but we'll see. <laughs> okay, how, how's the injury going to be uh, to yourself and, and Derek? Um, we have five days in between games, which is great. It was just a, a severe cork I got in the first game. And, you know, a quick turnaround with an international fly just didn't respond the way I was hoping for. And I tried to give it a crack, and eventually coach just pulled me out. So it was like, we don't want any further injuries. So hopefully by next week it feels great. We have a great medical team at Sydney Kings. And shout out to Dave Gillard. We do a great job here. So hopefully I'll be fine. All right. Well, that is Friday night. Now, can we get back to more of the background? We've spoken to you on the program before, but you're... Um, your experience in the United States previously, Xavier, because you did actually go over there uh, for college, so you've had you've had a look at it firsthand and and, fi- and signed some summer league contracts as well. So, what did you? What's the big takeout from those experiences in your basketball life? Um, college was a lot of fun. It was awesome, and summer league was an interesting thing. Summer league is really like a tryout to make it to the NBA. So everyone's really out there trying to trying to get theirs kind of thing. And the thing I'm thinking about is the NBA is a whole different game. It's uh, there's different rules in, in, in the international basketball. And it's going to be an adjustment period to all that kind of stuff. But I'm excited for the journey. Uh, now, the Washington Wizards, have you, have you looked at their roster and thought, okay, do uh, you know much about their players? And you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm, I'm better than that guy. I, 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 could, st- I, I could step straight in. I could be a Wizard starting player. <laughs> 
Um, it sounds good in theory, but at the same time, I understand this is the best league in the world, and I'm going to have to earn my, my respect over there. Um, I think it's going to be a transition. I think the uh, game styles really align perfectly. They like to play fast, they like to switch on defense, and uh, on a basketball aspect, it's a really good net fit. But um, I guess we'll see when I get over there. Dreams do come true. I mean, can you tell us, honestly, when was the first time you had the dream that maybe one day I could play in the NBA? Were you of an age? Was it in your late teens? When would you uh, have allowed your mind to think that? Uh, I think every child... Yeah, I think as a child, I always dreamed of playing in the NBA, but it just seemed so surreal. It seemed kind of impossible. At that time, not many Australians had done that. And then I think maybe once I got to college and I started performing a little bit better, the idea kind of you know what, maybe I can Maybe I can do this. And then as the years go by, you progress and you progress and you hit all this noise. And in the back of my head, I'm starting to think maybe I'm getting too old. I'm 27. They're not going to bring in a 28-year-old rookie. And, uh, you know, that little bit of doubt creeps in. But, you know what, dreams do come true and I'm going to the NBA. How crazy. Yeah, that is great. That is great. Well, who, so watching the NBA when you were a kid and the dreams, who was your, who was your basketball hero? Uh, Kevin Durant and probably LeBron James too. I used to love LeBron when I was a bit younger and then I grew up and I loved Kevin Durant. So it's going to be pretty cool to try and maybe get on the court with those guys and try and match up and put my, my fan my fan love for those guys to the side and try and compete. Any advice yet from um, King's co-owner and Andrew Bogut? Have you gone to Andrew and said, mate, <laughs> help me? Give me some tips? Uh, yeah, nah, nah. I'm really trying to not even really think about that whole next chapter yeah. yet. I mean, my whole thought process is Sydney Kings and winning a championship so I really try to I even told my boys don't even talk to me like about the NBA stuff until after the season well, well I'll tell you what let, let us be excited then and, and you just play it cool uh, Xavier we're fine with that you've, as I say you've got unfinished business with the Sydney Kings but you don't mind me saying Brandy and I are both going out to buy Washington Wizard singlets with uh, Cooks across the back we're on the bus yeah we're on the, the Wizards bus. bus already so <laughs> let's um, go baby let's go yeah. <laughs> go the Wizards <laughs> That's it. And, and as I said, it's not just Kings fans that are proud of you uh, today. It, it's basketball fans across Australia. We will be following your progress, but for the, for the short term, all the very best starting Friday again with the Kings uh, against the Breakers. Xavier, well done. Thanks for coming on the show. Much appreciated. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. We're back live on air Monday from 6am or 5am in Queensland. Tune in live on your radio through 11.70am in Sydney, 6.93am in Brisbane, our SEN track network, or anywhere in the world through the SEN app. Have a great weekend, everybody.